0: Well, this morning, we are continuing our study through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to spend some time together looking at Abraham's life. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and uh, open that up to Hebrews chapter 11. And as you make your way there, let me ask you a question. What is the hardest thing, the hardest thing you've ever had to trust God for? The hardest thing that you've ever had to entrust to the Lord and wait on. Uh, Just take a minute and think about that. Uh, Maybe for some of you, uh, you are praying for an unbelieving family member. Uh, Maybe your, your mom or your dad or your child does not know Jesus. And you've been praying now... For years and years, hoping that that will happen. Uh, Maybe for some of us it's a chronic illness. And every day you get up and you face the day knowing that you're going to be in pain or that you're going to have other difficult symptoms and you're wondering maybe why God just doesn't heal you already. Or if it's hard enough, why He doesn't simply just take you home? What purpose is being served in my ongoing suffering? Uh, Some of you might be single and you're wanting desperately to be married, but God has not provided for that to this point in your life. And some of you might be married and wondering why things that started out so wonderful Turn so bad, so fast, and you're wondering why God hasn't transformed your spouse. Uh, some of you might be thinking, "You know, I've lost a dear friend, I've I buried a family member, I've buried a spouse, and your heart cries out to God, and you wonder why? Why? Is God doing His plan this way in my life? Uh, Common to all those things is that question of having to trust God when His good plan does not seem obvious to you. Uh, When your heart cries out like King David in Psalm 69, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out, crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. It's in times like that we need the reassurance of the scriptures that God is still there, that he is still working out his plan, that he is still going to be there through it all and at the end of it all with his presence and with his reward all the way to the end. Amen? We need that reassurance. And so we're going to look at Abraham here in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And before we do that, let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that even when things are difficult, especially when things are difficult, when we feel like we have cried out until we are hoarse for Your deliverance, and yet things have not gone like we hoped, Father, we pray that You would remind us that You were there. That you are always present with us. That you go through all of our suffering right along with us. And that you will be there at the end. With your reward and with your presence forever and ever. Father, help us to trust you. And help us this morning to learn from Abraham who believed God. And was counted to him as righteousness. Father, if there's any sin in our lives right now, may we confess it, that we might receive your word and walk in it and be blessed thereby. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, who remembers back to Genesis what God promised Abraham when He called him. Hopefully all of us remember, but here's what He said. In uh, Genesis chapter 12, God said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And there I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham packed up from where he was. He left his father and his, the majority of his kinsmen there, and he headed off to the place where he had never been before. Like going on a trip with your husbands, ladies, right? Uh, going off in a direction that you do not know, uh, headed off to a place they have not been, right? And refused to look at a map. And, <laughs> and the, the idea is that God called him and said, go to this land. Go to this land. And when you get there, I'll show you that you're there. And when he got there, that's exactly what God did. God pointed out the boundaries of the land to him. He said, walk to and fro throughout the land. Go up and down and all east and west and, and go all through the land. Because one day, Abraham, all of this is going to be yours. Was it all his? No. There were already people living there. And... He said, Look, you're going to become a great nation here. Did that happen right away? No, not in the least. Uh, As verse 9 tells us, he lived there as if he was in a foreign land. He was a sojourner there. When Abraham died, in fact, and he died at a very old age, I think he was 137 years old when he died. You know how much land he owned? He had a burial plot. That's what he had, okay? I mean, I don't know how many of you have made funeral arrangements with the city of Chillicothe already so that, you know, something should happen. You, you can be buried and you've already got the plot picked out and all that kind of thing. But when you, when you go down to the city and you make that payment on that piece of dirt to have your casket go in, you do not afterwards refer to yourself as a landowner, right? I'm a landowner. Really? How much do you own? Oh, about uh, about six by four. <laughs> really? Um, huh. Re- uh, so you have a you have a you have a what? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, it's a it's a massive holding. It's a burial plot. Oh, that's what he has. He has a little cave at the end of a field that he owns that he bought to bury his wife. And at the end of his life, the God who told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have a multitude of descendants. You're going to have this entire land. He has a burial plot in one little spot in a corner of it. And he's living there, by the way, in a tent. A tent. You know, some people really like camping. You know, camping to me is not bad. You know, if you go someplace like you go out to the Rocky Mountains and you've got this beautiful scenery and you backpack up in there and you get your tent spread out and what and and you fish in some stream for trout. I mean, I, I, I can I can live in that fantasy for a while, right? A few weeks at least. Can enjoy that. Or go up in the boundary waters and and catch those walleyes out of those cold, clear, running streams that are up there. Oh man, sign me up, right? For about 10 days. And then I want a hot shower and a real bed and the ability to shave. And I I want I, I don't want to sleep in a tent. I don't want to fight off any more mosquitoes. And I don't want to go to the bathroom outside. Okay. You don't want to do that. Because camping is fun for a while, but it's not my idea of how I'd like to live my life for the next, oh, 80 years or so. And yet, that's what Abraham is doing. And not just him, but his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. They're all in, in the, for three generations until they are old men And in fact, in Abraham and Isaac's case, until they are dead, living in tents. In tents. Even though God promised them the land. And I don't know about you, but if God told me that he was going to take me from my home to a a new place and make me into a, a great nation there, there is no part of my imagination at that point that consists in spending the rest of my life living in a tent. And yet none of these guys owned homes in the promised land. None of them got to see their descendants become a great nation within it. So why didn't Abraham say, well, you know, God, that was a funny story. But I'm not staying for this anymore. Uh, Verse 9 tells us. It says, why didn't he head back to Ur? Verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise. With his heirs living in the land of promise. And then verse 10 he believed not just that God would give him what he promised in this world, but also in the fact that there is another place, an eternal dwelling, not like a tent, but a permanent residence, a permanent home, in a place built on an eternal foundation, the city of God. And he believed that I'm going to live forever There And so he trusted God when God's promise was not immediately fulfilled. And he could do that because he knew in his heart that this promise of God would be fulfilled. And so there was a greater promise of God that he was also looking forward to. That if God is going to fulfill the greater promise of being with him forever, then he's also trustworthy to meet the lesser challenge of fulfilling this one, even if I don't live long enough to see it fulfilled. And he didn't. It was about 500 years that elapsed between God's promise to Abraham and when his descendants did become a great nation and come back and possess the land. And in that, I think there is a lesson for us, an encouragement for us. That when we don't see God's promises immediately fulfilled or even fulfilled in our lifetime, we've got to be patient. We've got to continue to endure hardship and keep looking forward to the day when, like Abraham, we dwell in the eternal city with God. Amen? Amen. And so from Abraham we get encouragement to trust God even when promises aren't immediately fulfilled. Let me just tell you a quick story. This is one of my favorite stories. Uh, I saw this happen. Uh the previous church we served in was Faith Bible Church of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And when we and that church was founded uh right around the same time as this one actually, uh, early 1960s, I think 1961 or 2. And, uh, and at that time, there was a guy who was going to the church. He's one of the founding members who shared the gospel with his best friend. And the guy told him, I don't know about all that Jesus stuff. I don't want anything to do with it. His best friend's name was Bob. And he said, I don't want anything to do with that. And he said, well, I tell you what, bud, I'm going to pray for you that you will come to faith in Jesus. And when you do, you need to come to my church, Faith Bible Church. And you need to learn how to grow in Jesus there. So, long period of time elapses. The guy who shares his faith goes to be with Jesus. Fifteen years ago by past that, I am serving as pastor. Pastor of small groups and evangelism in this church. And this little old man comes in. And he says, Hi, my name is Bob. And 40 years ago, my best friend shared the gospel with me. And I recently came to faith in Jesus. And he told me this is where I should come to learn about what that means. You know what the best part? The senior pastor's wife, Steve, whom some of you have met when he was here for my ordination last fall, the senior pastor's mother was widowed, and Bob met and married Burl Benton, the senior pastor's wife. We teased them because he made them go through premarital counseling. <laughs> okay, they'd both been married between the two of them, I think, about 80 years. But nonetheless, um, that happened, and his buddy never saw it on this side of the grave but he showed up in our church and went to be with Jesus having met him very late in life because God was faithful to keep his promise to one who was faithful to share the gospel with him and you may not live long enough to see God's promise fulfilled to you But you will one day see God's greatest promise fulfilled to you of being with Him. And as you are looking for that day, you can trust Him to keep His his lesser promises that haven't been fulfilled yet. Amen? That, like Abraham, you can keep your eye on the finish line. Knowing that in some sense the race itself starts to lose a little of its significance because if you know as an, as Abraham did that one day I'm going to glory to be in the presence of God and dwell in the eternal city in the presence of God then the fact that I live now in a tent is not a big deal because I know this is temporary and this is not as good as it gets amen this is temporary And so he kept his eyes focused forward on what was to come. And Hebrews, in the same way, encourages us to trust God, not just when his promises aren't immediately fulfilled, but also when his promises seem impossible. Now keep reading here, verse 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, quick, does anybody remember the meaning of Isaac's name? Anybody? Yeah, laughter. Okay. He laughs. Okay. And, and why, is, why is Isaac named laughter? He got that name because Sarah... Laughed when she heard, she overheard a conversation between God and Abraham. And God told Abraham, by this time next year, the two of you are going to have a son. And it really is, if you think about it, pretty funny. She was 90 years old at the time, and he was 100. And look at the text. It says that Sarah received power to conceive. Verse 12 says that Abraham was as good as dead. Let me interpret that for you. Let me bring that out of biblical uh, uh, language there and just make it really clear. What that means is, is that there was no physical, normal way that the two of them were going to get together and produce a child. This is not going to happen. This can't happen at their ages anymore. And so God, they are unable to have a child by the normal means, but God intervenes in both of their bodies to enable that to happen. And by God's grace, through his faith, Abraham believed God. He got together with his wife, who initially laughed at the idea, but agreed to humor the old man. And they got together, and they had a child. Now, I have seen lots of moms at the nursery, at the hospital, you know, we would go... Uh, when we had our kids, and you would see, you know, real young moms, and you would see some older moms, but you never, you know what you never saw? You never saw some lady with a walker standing in front of the, in, in front of the nursery looking in at her kid, and going, oh, isn't he cute? He's my firstborn. Okay, you never saw that. Why? Because people who are that old don't have kids for the first time. They don't. And yet God enabled that to happen. Is that impossible? Yes, but not impossible for God. In fact, that's what, um, that's what God said to her. She, he said, is anything too hard for me? Implied answer, no, it's not. And you know what is really great about this whole story? When she was born, she did as God said, and she named the child Isaac. Because she said, "Now the whole world will laugh with me. That it is so funny. That you know, imagine you know, imagine that you're 94, ladies, and taking your firstborn son to preschool. (laughs) Okay, come on, boy. You know, or slow down, son. You know, mom is old, (laughs) right? I mean." Really? Think about this. And she says, this is really funny and the joke is on me because I didn't believe that God could do what he has done. And yet God had and did. And, and from that couple and from this child have come millions Millions of descendants. And if you read your Bible, you also understand that by faith, those who follow Abraham in believing and trusting in the God he worshipped are also his descendants by faith. And that includes you and me. So billions of people descend from Abraham either genetically or by faith. from trusting god for his promise that what was impossible god can make possible that what there is no way this can happen and yet god causes it to happen nothing is too hard for the lord And we need to trust God and we need to believe Him when His promises aren't immediately fulfilled and when they seem impossible because, and here's verse 13 to 16, because God and His reward is worth it. I want to read these verses to you. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. Verse 13 is the first appearance of a repeated idea. You pick it up again in verse 39 of this chapter. The fact that these people believed God, even though they did not live live long enough to see His promises completely fulfilled to them. And I think when it says all these, I think it's references to Abraham and his family. Abraham got a little land, and he and Sarah received... The son that they were promised, and Abraham and Isaac, I mean, Isaac and Jacob, rather, uh, got a little bit more of God's promise, but they didn't live long enough to see their descendants receive it all, and they certainly didn't, any of them, live long enough to see the Messiah come forth from their line to be the blessing to the whole world that Abraham was promised in Genesis 12, 2,000, maybe 2,500 years. prior to Jesus actually being born. They all instead died in faith, trusting that God would keep His Word and that the little foretaste of the fulfillment of promise that they had was enough to trust God for the whole enchilada later on. And they knew and they could see that... God has kept His word to this point and so He is going to keep His word for everything else, even if I don't see it yet. Even if some of it seems totally impossible, God is going to deliver. And they lived, according to verse 13, like they were just passing through and like this world is not their true home. And according to verse 14, they were looking for their true homeland. They were looking for for the greater fulfillment to to which these temporal and material promises were just a taste. Because as verse 15 says, if they were looking to go back, they could have gone back. Ur of the Chaldees was still standing. They could have gone back there. It was actually a pretty nice place that had indoor plumbing and air conditioning. How long did it take us to get that back? Uh, but they've dug this place up. It was an advanced, civilized place. And they could have gone back there if they had wanted. But instead, what they were looking for was relationship with God and being in God's presence and seeing His promises to them fulfilled. And so they, if, I would rather suffer and receive God's promises than be in comfort and be cut off from God and His reward. And verse 16 tells us that they did all that ultimately because they were looking for a better country than the land of Canaan. They were looking for their heavenly dwelling. They were looking forward to being with God. And because of their faith, again, let me interpret this for you. When it says God is not ashamed to be called their God, it means God is proud to acknowledge them. Those are my people. And to prepare for them a lasting heavenly city. Now, the point of all this ought to be obvious for us as well. Just as it was obvious to the original readers here that God has made us great and precious promises, but we don't see them fulfilled immediately. You don't see everything that God is doing through you all coming true right before your eyes. You don't see it all. You know, for me personally, I, I'm one of those people with a chronic disease. I get up every morning and I take medicine because I'm having to deal with the effects of Crohn's disease. Every two weeks I get an injection to keep my immune system at bay so that it doesn't eat me from the inside. And I get up, and I've done that for almost 30 years. And, and I look one day for the, for the healing of the body, right? For The restoration of the body. I look for that. I know that it's coming. But it's not coming for me now. Unless by some miracle they find some cure for this. But it's not coming now, it's coming later. It's coming in the presence of God. Some of you have lost a spouse or you've lost a child or you've lost a job or you've lost any number of things and you go, God, why did this have to happen? God's promises to you are going to be fulfilled remember him who said one day I am making all things new all things will be put right there is nothing that is wrong in this world that will not be put right by God himself and there is a day coming when every tear will be wiped from your eyes by God himself and from mine too and so in the meantime, we are looking forward to, to crossing that tape. Going across the finish line and into the presence of God. Because I'll let you in on a little secret. You know, the, the Bible talks about all kinds of rewards and so forth that will be ours one day. And, and there are some amazing things that will happen to us. But you know what the primary reward of heaven is? It's being in the presence of God Himself. And He is worth it. We, in this life, we just get tastes of God's blessing. But one day, we will sit down with Him to a banquet of blessing for eternity. And so as you live your life, keep looking for that forever country. You know, C.S. Lewis, in one of my favorite lines from him, he says, you know, we are on a journey toward heaven. And God refreshes us with pleasant ends along the way. I-N-N-S. Pleasant little experiences of life. But he will not encourage us to mistake them for home. And so he doesn't give us everything that we want in this life because he is wanting to remind us that we are not home yet. One quick story and then I'll close. One of the early missionaries to Africa was a guy named Henry Morris. And Henry Morris spent 40 years in Africa, a pioneer missionary. He was really one of the the, the longest-living African missionaries at that point, because most of the guys who packed up for Africa went and died there from various tropical diseases. But he spent 40 years there, and as he was headed home, back to the United States, he happened to be on the same boat as President Roosevelt, who was coming home from Africa from this famous safari that he had been on. And as they got into the harbor at New York... There's all this big fanfare and ticker tape parade and so forth. The president has returned. Uh, okay, And nobody noticed little Henry Morris getting off the same boat. And he began to complain to the Lord as he prayed, uh, you know, hey, how come no one, I mean, no one even met me at the boat, and I've been gone for 40 years. And he he wrote that he... Heard the still, small voice of God speak to him and say, Well, Henry, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Amen. Keep looking for home. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You that, that You give us enough of a taste of Your promises to know that they will be fulfilled. And you do enough amazing, impossible things in our lives that we know that you are a God who can do the impossible and does. And so your promises, which seem to us impossible, we can have confidence will one day be fulfilled. So Father, help us in this life to do as the text encourages us to do, to keep looking for a better country, a heavenly one. And help us to live our lives in such a way that by faith, in response to your grace, that you will not be ashamed to call us yours. Not be ashamed to be identified as our God. Help us, Father, to live in a holy way that pleases you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.